0: Thank you, Don, for sharing God's word with us this morning. Friends, would you pray with me, please? Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, this place, and this space of worship, for an opportunity to draw close to you and receive the blessings of life and salvation that you have in store for us through your word and also through the Lord's Supper. Lord, may these gospel gifts continue to strengthen us and nourish us in the one true faith That we may extend that faith to others by what we say and what what we do. Please send your spirit to us now as we listen to and receive and absorb and respond to a message on understanding stewardship. We ask this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. It's an interesting way to get to the topic on a Sunday morning when the call is to talk about stewardship And you're like, Pastor Brad, I know your tricks. When you say stewardship, you mean money. And I don't like the money sermon. What if there's guests and visitors here? They don't like the money sermon. And we know you don't like to preach the money sermon. So how are you going to try to trick us into receiving a money sermon when we know you don't like it, we don't like it? Truth be told, um, I actually do enjoy preaching stewardship messages. The first sermon I ever preached as a pastor was a stewardship message, kind of bold for a first-year pastor guy to do. But there is something beautiful and blessed about being a steward of the things of God. And it's not just about money. It's about a relationship of truth and trust in the Lord and responding to the grace and goodness of God. Of our God. How are we going to get there this morning? We are going to use the gospel reading, Matthew 22, that Mrs. Mueller just read a few moments ago. Jesus is doing what Jesus does, sharing his grace and truth with the people. And while he is doing this, there are people who are plotting against him, the enemies or opponents of Jesus. There are people like the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law. Those among the Jewish religious leadership that don't really care for Jesus. Why don't they care for Jesus? Because he's causing problems for them. They have a certain status and standing in the community. They have place and position. They also have a certain income from the temple tax. And Jesus might disrupt all of that for them because of his message. And because of who he's claiming to be. And we just can't have that. So they look at Jesus and they say, Jesus, he's going to be a problem. We have to do something about him. And so the opponents of Jesus plot and they seek to entrap the Lord. Now these opponents of Jesus, these are disciples of the Pharisees and the Pharisees along with the teachers of the law and the Sadducees and the rabbis, they were supposed to be caretakers of God's people. They were supposed to be shepherds of God's sheep. They were supposed to be people who would look out for the folks and teach them about God's loving promises to them and this coming Messiah who would come and establish a kingdom of righteousness forevermore so that the people would have a place in the kingdom of God and they would belong to the Lord forever through this coming Messiah, this promised Savior. The problem is, some of Jesus' opponents were more like wolves in sheep's clothing than shepherds of the sheep. And when it comes to Jesus, they seek to entrap. They seek to discredit him and his ministry. It brings to my mind a song by Taylor Swift. Which song? My favorite song. Which song is that? Nice Things. It goes a little something like this. It was so nice being friends again. There I was giving you a second chance, but you stabbed me in the back while shaking my hand. (laughs) And therein lies the issue. Friends don't try to trick you. Get you on the phone and mind twist you. And so I took an ax to a mended fence. But I'm not the only friend you've lost lately. Mm Mm-mm. If only you weren't so shady. Kids, follow along with me. This is why we can't have nice things, darling. Because you break them, I had to take them away. This is why we can't have nice things, honey. Did you think I wouldn't hear all the things you said about me? This is why we can't have nice things. Now, the difference between Taylor Swift and Jesus, and there are some, (laughs) despite what your preteen might suggest, the difference is that Taylor Swift has to hear these things from other people. She's got to read them on social media. People have to uh, share the gossips that's been said about her and the various slanderings of her. And there have been many over the years. Jesus, however, as the true son of God, as this promised savior, knows the thoughts of his opponents and enemies. He understands their hypocrisy. He can, yes, read their minds. And he knows that they're going to come against them and the angle at which they're going to approach. And Jesus' opponents will always have this kind of angle, it seems. First, they praise Jesus, buttering him up, flattering him in some way, just like in Matthew 22. We know you're a man of the truth who only speaks the truth. And you're not easily swayed by the opinion of others. But we're gonna share our opinion with you. Their motive, of course, is to entrap Jesus' to discredit him and ultimately to do away with him. Jesus knows this about his opponents and therefore he will not fully answer their question to their satisfaction. Jesus will have a different approach. But the question that they bring to Jesus is actually an interesting one and a pretty good one if you're looking for a way to entrap Jesus, catch him up in his words, discredit him in some way. And the question is this, is it right, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? If Jesus answers yes, please pay taxes to Caesar, whoa, you mean to tell me that you wanna share your time, energy, and resources with a pagan government that seeks to oppress the Jewish people and do away with some of our rights and rituals and unfairly tax us and manipulate us and use us and yes, even abuse us. That doesn't seem good or godly. On the other hand, if Jesus says, no, don't pay taxes to Caesar, well, then Jesus would not be a friend of Caesar. And if you're not a friend of Caesar, you're expendable. And if you're raising a ruckus and perhaps starting a revolution among the people, well, then maybe there would be political motives to have you done away with. Jesus shares this response instead. He says, therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Jesus' approach is different than that of his opponents. Jesus will not entertain his enemies. Instead, he will challenge their core assumptions. He understands their hearts and minds. He knows that they don't have in mind the things of God or the welfare of humanity, much less their eternal salvation and so he's going to challenge them. He's going to question his questioners. But more than that, he's also in this process going to call them to repentance and faith. Just like he would with anyone. Too bad they don't always respond. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to God the things that are God's. What are the things of God? Well, we learned from our false sermon series under construction That the builder of all things is God. Yes. Bonus points for you. Good Good job. Nice. The builder of all things is God. God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. God, the creator of the cosmos and even you. The one who by his spoken word brought all things into existence and the one by whose power maintains all things and sustains them. And even though he's done all of that, he still considers you. He knows you. He values you. And you are part of that creation as well. You know, it's interesting. When Jesus was challenged by his opponents, is it lawful to pay the tax to Caesar or not? What did Jesus ask them to bring him? A coin, right? A denarius. And then Jesus asked them another question. He said, whose inscription is this? Whose likeness? And of course, the answer is Caesar's. To which Jesus responds with those classic words, give to Caesar what is Caesar and give to God what is God's. What they should have done in response to Jesus is asked another question. What belongs to God? And then you can just imagine Jesus' answer. Whose image is on you? Whose inscription is on you? It says in the word of God that we are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. And because of that, we do have value and worth not just because of what we can do or our unique abilities and talents, though those are many, and those are blessings from God, but because of whose we are, who we belong to. That gives us identity. That shows us meaning and purpose in life. And not only that, that gives us a place a position, a status and standing, not just here and now as God's people, but also in the life to come because Christ has already gone ahead of us and prepared that place for us to go to when the time is right and God calls us home to be with him. Whose image is on you? The image of God. And as image bearers, we receive the blessings of Jesus Christ, his son, our savior. We receive his love that fills us up. We receive his forgiveness that cleanses us from all our sins. And we receive that gift of the Holy Spirit who empowers us and equips us each and every day to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, to receive his gospel message and his gifts that he gives to us as his church to share, namely the word of promise from the scriptures and the sacraments of baptism and Holy Communion. And then as image bearers of our Lord, it is our profound privilege and our righteous responsibility to share those blessings with others. We receive God's blessings, and we share those with others. And the same is true of the grace and goodness of God. We have a God who is good to us, who's gracious to us, who's generous with us. And because we are his image bearers, we are good to other people. We're gracious with them, and we're also generous with them. Did you catch the statistics that were shared by Dr. Mertz in the foundation video. 25 years of the St. Lawrence Foundation supporting St. Lawrence Lutheran Church and School. $10 million shared in meaningful ministry and mission activities. 20 years of vicars who have been here. Some have served here as pastors and gone elsewhere. Some got called back here and serve here currently. Blessing upon blessing, with staffing, with equipment and supplies, with our campus, with buildings, with new and innovative ministry initiatives that seek to connect more and more people with Jesus Christ, our Lord. How has all this happened? We have a good and gracious God who's generous with us and he makes good and gracious people who are generous with him and others through the ministries of our congregation and school. Friends, it does take a lot of money to make ministry happen. And most of that money is spent on people, God's people, who continue to be image bearers of Jesus here and now who continue, like you, to receive the blessings of Jesus and share those blessings with others so that more and more people would know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and so that along with them, we'd be able to share and show just how beautiful it is to live with him. May God continue to grant this for Christ's sake and for the sake of those who need to hear and see the saving message of our Lord and Savior.